All right. We are back for the Week 12 preview with the Sporting Intelligence crew. I'm Ethan Weiss. We do not have Pat Higgins this week, but we do have a very special guest from Stealing Lines. It is Dalton Cates. And Dalton, I want to get us I want to get us kicked off here with a little uh, you know, big picture view of the NFL. This has been a super weird season to start. And I just want to get your thoughts on, you know, what's going on? Why has this season felt so weird? Um, I think first of all, like scoring has generally been down. And I think you have to ask yourself a couple things. Have defenses adjusted well to some of the things that offenses have taken advantage of the past couple of years. And yep. maybe the offenses naturally just haven't adjusted a lot in terms of the type of coverages defense are seeing. I think also quarterback talent um is probably close to some of the lowest it's been across the entire league like there's nobody this year that's like really standing out as like true mvp candidates like normally we have a couple guys every single year where it's like okay these quarterbacks are absolutely dominating you make a case for a couple guys but this year it feels like we're almost choosing from a lesser uh of entire value in his entire season right now like you can make an argument Jalen Hurts yep. by sports books is probably a top quarterback but again like yep. he was so much better last year and he ended up obviously not winning because he was hurt but it's just one of those things where it just feels like these top guys they'll have some really good games but it's not the consistent dominance that we usually see I and mean, sometimes we have it year to year where that's happening with these top teams and then also with these defenses too there's been so much variance in terms of um, strength and weaknesses of teams. So, for example, it'll be like, for example, a couple teams like the Seahawks and the Titans early on in the year. These teams are both extremely dominant in the run game. And then since like week four, they've actually been some of the worst run defenses in the league, which we yep. normally like. So, yeah, you can get a lot of that week to week, but you don't see just this massive kind of switch in terms of, all right, this team is really good and then and weak. And then like these very like last year, we're seeing like very strong teams that are consistent week to week. And like, for example, like yesterday, uh, Eagles were the best run defense in the league. And then in the first half, they gave it more rushing yards than they had all season in an entire game. So, um, yeah, it's just been it's just been kind of weird. It's been very hard to um, predict this year. And I think, yeah, I think we're still trying to figure it out, still trying to analyze what's happening and Again, like it's really hard to put a grasp on it other than just like embracing the fact that, okay, this is kind of a weird year and accepting it for what it is. Yeah, it's really interesting. I like what you said about the quarterback play because it's been, you know, it's been a weird year. And let's put the injuries aside for a little bit. But you got guys like Mahomes who are still – Mahomes, Allen, still playing at a high level. But Allen's turning the ball over. Mahomes struggling with, you know, this weird receiving core he's got. Um, you got guys like Geno Smith – who's kind of taken a little bit of a step back from where he was last year. Trevor Lawrence is a guy who hasn't really kind of ascended to maybe where we thought he'd be. Um, Stafford started hot. He got hurt. Uh, Jordan Love was another guy who coming into the season, people may have had high hopes for. I'll group him in with maybe a Justin Fields who, you know, we just haven't seen that ascension. Then you have guys like Mac Jones, Kenny Pickett, um, who have just completely fallen off the, the cliff in terms of performance. And, you know, we've had some fun stories with like, and I'll throw Desmond Ritter into that off the cliff conversation as well. I mean, you have some fun stories like Josh Dobbs, you know, kind of coming into himself, Sam Howell, you see the pass yards leaders here on the screen, Sam Howell leading the league in pass yards. That's a fun story. You got CJ Stroud, this kind of rookie sensation coming into the league. 
But these are guys who aren't surrounded by the best supporting cast. So again, it goes back to just that kind of combination of quarterback play with um, just some, some weird situations with injuries to some of these teams. And it's just turned out to be a really, really weird, um, weird season through 11 weeks. But here we are. And the Chiefs and, well, I guess not now the Ravens, I think, are the first seed in the AFC. And uh, the Eagles sitting at 9-1. and one. So, you know, amidst, amidst all of this kind of noise, the, the cream of the crop still tends to rise. Um, but, all right, let's get into uh, our, our, week 11, uh, our Week 11 recap, Week 12 preview. Before we do, Dalton, tell the people a little bit about Stealing Lines and what you do on a week-to-week basis. Yeah, so Stealing Lines is a subscription-based service where we have uh, two prongs in which we release information. Uh, one is going to be our Discord, and that is where all of our up-to-date uh, props and plays are set out obviously we know with the betting market things tend to move a little bit quickly so it's much easier in that form to kind of get them out um as is and we also have weekly newsletter where i'm working with ben gretch he is my partner he puts out um, totals and sides puts out his own newsletter going about that with some analysis i also go ahead and put out just more like in-depth analysis kind of go through reviews of each week talk about state of nfl what went wrong what went right how we're approaching it um, on a week-to-week basis. So kind of sending those out on a, uh, every single week. And um, yeah, it's been fun. It's been fun. So it's our second year doing it now. So it's great. Yeah, as a subscriber myself, I, I can attest to uh, the quality of content there. So if you're listening now, definitely go on, check Dalton out on Twitter um, and uh, check Stealing Lines out. Give them a, a follow, give them a subscription. You will not be, you will not be disappointed. Um, and, you know, while you're here, go on over, check out sporting-intelligence.com. All of the dashboards, matchup analysis, player stats, and player profiles dashboards are all free for the remainder of the season. All of the matchup analysis that you'll hear on our show, the statistical breakdowns, that is all information that you can find on sporting-intelligence.com. So go on over there for free. Get your hands on these awesome uh, matchup analysis tools that we provide to, you know, make decisions in fantasy football and betting sides, totals, and player props. And, uh, you know, get an edge in, uh, you know, the statistical department over where you can find elsewhere, sporting-intelligence.com. Without further ado, Dalton, let's dive in. Week 11, flowers or thorns? Uh, where are you going this this week? Yeah, I'm going flower. Uh, Tank Dell, dude, that guy's been balling, man. I yeah. swear, uh, I don't know, feels feels like – it gives me hope. He's like, dude, he like kind of like fits like my my size. So it's like, dude, if this guy's balling out in the NFL, like, man, dude, we could probably shred up some turkey bowl this weekend, you know. So uh make okay. me feel good about that. But um, I mean, he's just been a fun surprise. Like, normally you don't see guys who are undersized who come in and just like dominate right off the gate, but he's doing this as a rookie, um, undersized in an offense with a rookie quarterback, and he's kind of just like forced himself um as <laughs> a really, really good NFL player. Like he's so good that if we put into context, like um, second round wide receivers in terms of, you know, rookie years, like we're talking about at the end of the year, if he's continuing at this pace, he might be one of the best we've seen in the past, like decade. Like it's kind of crazy that a guy who's 165 pounds, 5'10", um, with a rookie quarterback on the Houston Texans yep. right now, 
that is putting up these kinds of numbers and he's doing consistently. And, and it begs the question of, of how is Tank Dell's play going to like affect future wide receivers in the league? Like how is a guy 165 pounds? Like would Tank Dell have succeeded probably 10 years ago? Probably not. But the way the NFL is changing with the way um, a lot of these rules have been benefiting less content, like less physicality and the ability for guys who are speed and able to get open and able to just, you know, make plays happen without, you know, as much of a concern about being physical in the league. Like you can see guys like this, this ball out. And um, again, yep. it was against, it was against the Cardinals, but the Cardinals like defense was not giving up explosive plays. They're um, fifth in the league in terms of explosive pass rate on defense, but yet tank Dell's out there with 10 targets going eight for one forty nine and a touchdown, his best um, game of the year in an already impressive year. And, you know, it was oh, yeah. shocking if at the end of the year, he's like, he has like 1,200 yards um, in terms of fantasy. Like he's been a, like a legitimate, like wide receiver too right now. Like it, it's it's kind of crazy to see this happening. So we just got to give props out to him for, for balling again this week. So it's been fun. Yeah, Dell's been balling. Uh, you love to see kind of the young receiver pair up with the young quarterback there with Stroud in Houston. That's definitely promising. And, um, you know, you see it a little bit with Devontae Smith as well, someone of that kind of smaller stature a little bit, uh, making plays. Um, and, you know, it, it's fun to watch these guys, these little speedsters who are, you know, taking deep routes and, and making explosive plays is, is extremely fun to watch. So I'm excited to watch Tank and uh, Stroud pair up for uh, presumably years to come here. And it's been fun to watch this Houston team. It was kind of come come out of nowhere. We'll talk a little bit about them later in their uh, – you know, in the preview for uh, this week's matchup, but fun team to watch. Um, all right. I'm going to go the other way. We, we have yet to debut this part of the flowers or thorns. I'm going thorns. I'm going to the negative this week. And I hate to do it, but we're talking about Kenny Pickett because Kenny Pickett has not been good. And before we dive in a little bit to how, just how bad he's been, I want to give him, you know, the slight benefit of the doubt here that all of this is just Matt Canada's fault and Matt Canada's out, he's gone, and now maybe we see Pickett improve a little bit. Um, But, you know, assuming that that's not the case, assuming this is all not Matt Canada's fault, Pickett's been awful. Um, This is a team in the Steelers who's somehow still in the playoff picture and, you know, they have a divisional game against Cleveland. Pickett goes out. Obviously, Cleveland, one of the best defenses in the league, so, you know, a little bit of a pass here, but he goes 15 for 28 for 106 and no touchdowns. That's just like not the level that an NFL quarterback plays. I don't care how good the defense is, the way that the game is played today to be held to 106 yards passing with no like terrible weather conditions is just outrageously bad. Over the entire season, Pickett ranks 35th in pass yards per game, 172.2 pass yards per game. This is less than, this is behind the likes of Zach Wilson, Aiden O'Connell, Desmond Ritter. Desmond Ritter was benched. Mac Jones, benched. Zach Wilson, you know, all the rhetoric about him these days. Aiden O'Connell, brand new rookie. And Josh Dobbs, who obviously, you know, maybe just didn't get the chance. But Josh Dobbs was on, was on the Steelers. They could, they could have him right now. He's done a great job of not turning the ball over. I'll give a little bit, you know, of praise where, where it is due for Pickett here. Um, 
Pittsburgh's offense ranks first in turnovers per game, turning the ball over at, you know, fewer than one times per game by a good margin. But he's doing it in a way that's not conducive to winning. He's still just 37th among quarterbacks in completion percentage. So usually these guys who are going low turnovers are going a little bit less risky throws, uh, checking it down a little bit. Pickett's just not even completing passes. He's not giving his playmakers a chance to make plays. Pittsburgh's defense ranks fourth in our defensive efficiency metric. And the Steelers are sitting at six and four. They're a half game back of Buffalo for this, or excuse me, they're a half game ahead of Buffalo for the seventh playoff spot. And Pickett is just going to need to be better. Um, he's going to need to take on a little risk to try and make some explosive plays. He's going to need to take a play out of the Josh Allen playbook. Um, you know, if you're just doing nothing all game, that's worse than trying to make plays and turning it over um, most of the time. This team actually has some decent bones. You see, you know, Pickens coming on as, as a, you know, a big target for them. Deontay Johnson, obviously very solid. Jalen Warren coming into his own. You got Fryermuth back and a great defense. But this way of playing is not sustainable. It's not a winning formula for the playoffs. So Kenny Pickett definitely going to need to pick up his play here. 100%, man. Dude, he's been so bad. Like, it's crazy because heading into the year, I think I think everyone was interested in Pickett because of everything around him, right? It's like... Not only, yep. I mean, whatever you want to think about Najee Harris, that we knew they had another running back at Jalen Warren, too, who was also good. So we got two guys there. Obviously, Pat Frymuth has been hurt, so that's obviously hurt a little bit. But you still have Deontay Johnson and Pickens. Again, you can go back and say, okay, well, Frymuth got hurt. Deontay Johnson got hurt. Matt Canada has been terrible. But still, like, in a situation like this, right, it's the same thing we've we seen with Zach Wilson, right? It's like even though there's still good pieces around you show something show 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 us yep. something right because if you're like having some bad games and then you're like okay like balling out like one game when your pieces are together okay you can make reasonable assumptions that okay maybe it is offense corner maybe it is the fact that he was dealing with a couple injuries there but now in your second year when this is happening with these pieces around you like you having Deontay you're having um George Pickens and I understand you're going against a really good defense but still like you've had a big enough sample now where you've started in your career where you had those weapons last year. Again, I am curious just to see what's going to happen uh, without Matt Canada. But I think if you're the Steelers, I mean, they're, they're somehow winning games. So you're probably going to be stuck with Kenny Pickett again next year, just because you aren't able to get another quarterback, but you yeah. have to genuinely be, be asking yourself is this a guy who we can reasonably win with or is even elevating us to to somewhat of a competitive level even if you are making the playoffs and I think the answer right now yeah absolutely yeah and I mean look there's a lot of factors working against Pickett here right we talked about Canada he's faced the you know an average opponent passing defensive rank of 10 or 12.7 that's the 10th hardest in the league so like there are some things working against Pickett um but the level of play is just there's been no signs of life which is the negative um and so you know if the Steelers they may sneak in the playoffs but if they want any chance um in, in the playoffs they're going to need Pickett to pick up his play 100 uh but let's move on to the moment everyone is on the edge of their seats waiting for, that is the Week 11 Mr. Big Chest Award. It is the award, Dalton, that is sweeping the nation here uh, from Sporting Intelligence. And, uh, you know, without Pat here this week, I will be the guest um, presenter for the Mr. Big Chest Award and for Week 11. 
The Mr. Big Chest Award is going to none other than Mr. Brock Purdy. Let's clap it up for Brock. Clap it up for Brock. Talk about a guy who, you know, we talked about Pickett with all these weapons and not really showing anything. This guy, Purdy, he makes all of these weapons look like they're supposed to by getting them the ball, distributing the ball in an efficient way. Purdy's had a little bit of a roller coaster of a season. The Niners started 5-0. and They lost three straight. Um, and it was kind of in a weird spot heading into their bye week. But, I mean, Purdy just continues to deliver for this team. Uh, last week, he went 21 for 25 for 333 pass yards, three touchdowns, no picks. Uh, in a game versus the Bucks. that, look, on paper, they're 11.5-point favorites. This might not be, you know, the biggest win on paper. But I can guarantee you that this was a really, really big win internally for this Niners locker room because they sit now one game up on Seattle for the division lead. Um, and, you know, just kind of building this momentum after that three-game skid towards, you know, uh, still trying to get this one seed, which, believe it or not, is not out of reach. Despite being two games back of Philadelphia, the next few weeks for the Eagles are Buffalo, San Francisco, so a chance to uh, beat them straight up, Dallas, and Seattle. So, I mean, that's a tough stretch for Philly there. San Francisco, still a chance to get to that number one seed. As I mentioned, Purdy just doing a great job of orchestrating this offense. He's sixth in the league in passing yards per game. He's eighth in the league in passing touchdowns per game. Third in touchdown to interception ratio at 3.6. He's taking care of the ball, but he's doing it in a way that he's being aggressive with the ball. He's pushing it down the field to his weapons. So... Shout out Brock Purdy. Played nearly perfect this weekend. Mr. Big Chest Award for Week 11, Brock Purdy. Dude, I love it, man. I think, um, I mean, just the more talking about him, I'm literally looking right now, and I think I'm probably going to put an MVP ticket in for Brock Purdy. I mean, if we're just looking, not only what he did, like, this past week, just balling out, but if we're looking over an entire season, man, he has been balling. He's number one in EPA per play for quarterbacks. I mean, if you look at all quarterbacks and, like, basically most metrics. Yeah. Brock Purdy is number one in QBR, number one in pass rating, number one in yards per completion, number one in average yards uh, per attempt, uh, number one in adjusted yards per attempt, number one in touchdown percentage, number one in completion percentage. Um, I mean, like it, he's balling, he, dude. He's doing really good. So, like, if it, dude, eighteen to one for him to be MVP just feels yeah. long. Like, I feel like you could make an argument that you know <laughs> McCaffrey should win the award if they get there, but it's like. I don't know. It's the same argument for Jalen Hurts last year, right? Like, like, do we agree that that Brock Purdy is the most talented quarterback in the world? No, but he is surrounded by good players on a good team. And if this team continues to win, which they're probably going to finish, I don't know what twelve and five. They could finish thirteen and four, which is like very well within the range of number one, number two seed, which puts him there. Like, and like we talked about it, like the MVP race feels like the quarterbacks haven't been playing well. So guys are playing just as well as some of these other quarterbacks. Like, why is he being pushed down the board just a little bit? Yeah. I think it's it's wide open. And you think about this scenario where the Niners are on the table, they beat the Eagles, they beat some other good teams down the stretch, get the one seed. If Purdy just sprinkles in a few huge performances like he did last week, uh, you know, who's to say that that uh that he can't win that award? Yeah, exactly. um, it's you know it's a quarterback award. It's kind of up in the air. There's no one else really jumping off the page. Um, you can make an argument for McCaffrey, like you talked about, but um, Purdy having a great season, definitely uh, deserving of of uh, the Mister Big Chest Award. At some point, what better 
of a week than now yeah. to award that. Um, <laughs> but all right. <laughs> all right. Let's, uh, let's dive in here to the week 12 preview. And we will start with Thanksgiving morning football. The four and six Packers coming off of a win over the Chargers head to Ford Field for a matchup with the division leading eight and two Detroit Lions. The first time that Detroit has been eight and two since 1962. For those at home doing the math, that's more than 60 years since the Lions have been 8-2. and two. Lions enter this one as 7.5-point favorites at home. Over-under is 46.5 as we sit here on Tuesday evening. Detroit enters at 5th in offensive efficiency, 23rd in defensive efficiency. On the other side, Green Bay is 15th in offensive efficiency and 18th in defensive efficiency. We'll start with the Lions offense that has been extremely balanced so far this year. They rank 7th in EPA per play fourth in series conversion rate. They rank sixth in yards per attempt passing and second in yards per carry rushing. Just explosive all over the field for the Green, uh, for the Detroit offense. They face a Green Bay defense that really struggles against the rush. They rank 24th in EPA per play allowed, 24th in early down success rate allowed, and have given up the fifth most rush yards per game of the season by any defense. They have, however, been good in the red zone. They rank seventh in red zone touchdown percentage allowed. On the other side of the ball, the Green Bay offense has been really, really mid. Um, They've been terrible in the red zone, which has really hurt them at the end of drives when they've been able to make them. They rank 17th in EPA per play, 13th in yards per play, but they rank 27th in red zone touchdown percentage, just pretty middle of the pack um, in most areas. And they'll face a Detroit defense that has been solid, albeit also terrible in the red zone. Uh, Detroit defense ranks 7th in EPA per play allowed, 4th in third down conversion percentage allowed, but 30th in red zone touchdown percentage allowed. This is a crucial NFC North battle as the Packers fight to keep their playoff hopes alive and the Lions looking to tighten their grip on this NFC North lead that they have built through 11 weeks. Dalton, where are you liking this one? Uh, Where are you going here? Yeah, this seems like a pretty solid mismatch for the Lions on paper here, but we we tend to know this just in general with divisional games. Um, Sometimes just interesting things can happen or unexpected things uh, tend to happen a little bit more than they do just on the regular. Cause these teams do know each other. They're more familiar with each other. They play each other yeah. twice a year. Um, but again, it just feels like the lions just are just so much better of a team to where it would be a yep. little bit surprising if they lost or weren't able to control it. Like last, last week, for example, and I think I think we saw it like last week with the Bears kind of creating more of a game with the Lions, but the Bears weirdly kind of matched up a little bit better against the Lions. Like the Lions right now, you can make the art. I mean, I think it's clear if we were to do rankings of offensive line that the Lions are at least in the top two. I mean, they're number two in run blocking and they're number two in pass blocking. And Green Bay's defense has been such a massive run funnel. Teams have been able to run against them. Teams want to run against them. Well, the Lions' yep. offense, they want to run the ball, and they're really yep. good at running the ball. 100%. The Bears were one of the best rush defense in the league, and the Lions are still able to run the ball a little bit against them. So imagine what they're going to be able to do this game in a game where it's more likely than not they're going to get positive game script. They're going to force their will um, against 
the Packers. And I just don't know how much the Packers are going to be able to do, especially when you have someone like Jordan Love right now. Aaron Jones looks likely to be out. Um, when you have A.J. Dillon as your main guy, and the Lions' rush defense has been pretty dominant um, this year. So this game really comes down to Jordan Love. And is Jordan Love and Christian Watson, who we've seen take a massive step back, Luke Musgrave look like he's going to be out. Um, how is that set of weapons really going to beat the Lions? I I have some questions behind it. I think the Lions are going to do very well in this game. I think they're going to control it on the ground. I think they're going to run the ball a ton. And I think um, both Gibbs, Montgomery should have big games. I think their Packers rush offense is likely going to be um, stifled quite a bit. They're one of the worst in explosive rush rates on offense, while Detroit's rush uh, explosive rush rate on defense is very low. So, um, yeah, it just seems pretty mismatched here, man. <laughs> I'm not going to lie. Yeah, though, I, I couldn't agree more. Yeah, so. Um, I'm also laying the number here with Detroit, minus 7.5. I also like a minus 4.5 in the first half. Um, you touched on it perfectly. The Bears kind of just match up well against this team with a, a, a very, you know, pass funnel offense or defense, excuse me, like you talked about. Bears one of the best at stopping the run, and, and the Lions run, you know, their offense works from establishing the run and then building the pass off of that, a lot of play action for the Lions. Um, this Green Bay team now, you touched on their rushing attack as well. Uh, no Aaron Jones, it looks like, this week also. So that's another problem. No, you know, explosiveness out of Dylan that we've seen to this point. Um, but I just think that this is a terrible, terrible matchup for the Packers. The the Lions are fifth in first quarter and first half point differential. Green Bay just 27th in first quarter differential, 29th in first half differential. This is a Green Bay Packers team that starts very slow and trusts themselves to get back in games late. I don't think this is a Lions team that you want to start off slow against. They're one of the top rushing attacks in the league, ranking second in yards per carry, fifth in rush yards per game, ninth in, in rushes of 10 or more yards on the season. Um, they've kind of really caught their stride with this two-headed monster now with Gibbs running the ball really well, complimenting Montgomery. Um, Mont- Monty went for 32 carries and 121 yards against this team in their first matchup, which the Lions won by 14. That was on the road at Lambeau. Detroit's been even better at home this season. They're 4-1 and one at home. Um, I-, I just I don't trust Green Bay's offense to get back in a game uh, against this Lions defense. Um, the way they've kind of relied on it throughout the season. Um, so I, I'm going with the Lions here. I think it's a great matchup. Detroit's a unit, man. They're an absolute unit. They're they're going to be a problem in the playoffs. I really think they're just a very well-balanced team all the way around. And just we've seen with Green Bay, they just snuck out an easy win against uh, – or not an easy win, but they snuck out a win against the, the Chargers. And, I mean, I don't know. They're just not yep. up to this competition no i mean the chargers defense is is terrible and we'll we're going to cover the chargers later because they play the ravens this week and which should be an awesome matchup as well but their defense is just not good and so you know you get these flashes of what looks like jordan love and this offense being something you have to remind yourself who they're playing and last week they were playing one of the you know bottom tier defenses um this year so i'm gonna i'm gonna fade that again i'm i'm taking the lions in this spot do it, baby. Um, I also like the Lions as a teaser leg, but there wasn't really much on the board here to pair with, so I kind of stayed away from that this week. Um, all right, let's move on um, to our second matchup of the week, another divisional matchup. Uh, this one, 
the battle for the AFC South. It appears this could end up being the deciding game for who wins this division as the 7-3 Jaguars head to Houston for a rematch with Stroud and the Texans, who are hot on the tail of Jacksonville, trailing by just one game through the first 11 weeks. Houston enters this one at 8th in offensive efficiency and 28th in defensive efficiency. The Jaguars 22nd in offensive efficiency and 3rd in defensive efficiency. Houston continues to be carried by their electric passing attack here. They rank 6th in yards per play, 2nd in pass yards per game, and 7th in red zone trips per game. They are still just 26th in red zone touchdown percentage. This is largely due to kind of a, a struggle in the run game, which has hurt them in opening up that red zone offense. They face a Jacksonville defense that has been very difficult to score on this year, despite a low sack rate. Uh, fourth in EPA per play allowed for this Jacksonville defense. They also rank sixth in series conversion rate allowed, fifth in turnovers forced per game, although just 26th in sacks per game with two um, per game fairly low relative to league average. The Jacksonville offense on the other side has actually struggled more than you know we expected with Lawrence at the helm to find its stride. They rank 23rd in EPA per play, 28th in red zone touchdown percentage, and 23rd in turnovers per game. But they do have a great matchup against the Houston defense that is probably a good unit to try and get back on track against. This Houston defense ranks 20th in EPA per play allowed, 24th in third down conversion percentage allowed, and 23rd in red zone trips per game allowed. The Jags definitely going to be looking for revenge after getting demolished by the Texans 37-17 to in Week 3. Uh, Houston looking to win this game, get a leg up on Jacksonville with that tiebreaker as they continue to try and become, it's got, I mean, probably one of the most unlikely division champs in recent history. Uh, Jackson, uh, Jacksonville Texans, where are you going in this one? Yeah. I mean, I think it's really tough. It's really, at this point, it's hard to bet against CJ Stroud in that offense. Um, I think one thing that's helped them in, I mean, I mean, Stroud's just been ball in these last few games. He's really hit a stride. You can make an argument that his uh, his three like most clutch or, or his best games have almost come in the last three weeks. So he's really, really hit a stride. He's taken a complete stranglehold on this rookie of the year. I mean, yeah, you're gonna love this comparison, but he he's like the the Corbin Carroll of uh, the NFL right now, where we're seeing a rookie dominate Love so that. much to where he's low key like sneakily put himself into the MVP conversation. Like, yeah, it's he's, crazy. He's on the outside looking in, but it's like when you're looking at things and you're comparing him to some of the quarterbacks, you're like, dang, has he been that good? And when you when you add context into everything, where Nico Collins before this year wasn't that good, or not that he wasn't that good, but he hadn't broken out yet. He's working with rookie receivers like Noah Brown has had two 140 plus yard games. Like, are you kidding me? (laughs) Dalton Schultz has like taken another step. Um, Yeah. Dalton Schultz, new life there. Yes. Crazy. And these are all players who are first year with the teams outside of Nico Collins, like Robert Woods too. Um, It's crazy. And then you see guys like Devin Singletary balling too. So this entire offense has been awesome. So you got to give it to their OC. Um, it's been impressive. I think one thing that in this game, the Texans might not have is as much balance that we've seen in the last few games. Yep. We've seen Devin Singletary really, really hit his stride the last couple of games. And the difference between this 
massive, um, successful passing offense versus a lot of other ones in the league is a lot are centered around the passing game in terms of, hey, we're going to throw the ball a ton, like Bengals, Chiefs, we're going to just throw the ball a ton, and we're just so good at throwing the ball that we're going to continue to do it. Where the Texans have actually been a lot more balanced, and they've tried to implement yep. uh, the run. And my question here is, if they continue to do that, they might be a step behind. And the reason being is not only have teams been purposely trying to throw the ball against the Jaguars, is because they currently have the number two rush drink D, according to yep. um, DVOA right now. They're the fourth biggest pass funnel in the league. And if the Texans can lean into the fact that, hey, we understand that, you know, the, the Jaguars are probably better at this phase of the matchups than we are and we just lean into our strength with passing the ball we can absolutely beat the jaguars but i do have some questions about them fully leaning onto because i don't think we really have seen outside of certain scenarios in game where they've been forced to pass the ball and if you look at the last few games there have been moments in which they have been down in games like we look at cincinnati where you know, they, they were down a little bit early on and then they had to come, they came back and then the last second they're throwing the ball. And then Tampa is another example where they were down in the game and they're forced to throw the ball a ton. So um, I think the Jaguars are probably going to get this one. They've already seen Stroud once. And a lot of times that's what we see early on in these career um, for these rookies, especially in division is a lot of times the first time you play someone, you will tend to have a little bit more success in the second yep. time they can go and they can game plan things. Um, I'm yep. leaning Jaguars here. I might be a little biased just because I have so many Jags tickets from earlier on in the season, but, um, <laughs> but I, th I do, I do think the Jaguars are still a good team. The Houston Texans defense isn't necessarily anything to be scared about. We saw the Jaguars finally get back on track. Trevor Lawrence, despite all his questions with his injury, looked like he at least was competent and had a big bounce back week. One thing back with Zay Jones coming back is they're able to use him in the outside. And now we've seen Calvin Ridley's routes be a lot more diverse yep. instead of kind of just boxing him into throwing it downfield. No, they're using him like the actual Calvin Ridley that we saw um, with the Falcons, which is extremely exciting because if yep. you get that version of Calvin Ridley on top of Christian Kirk and talk of Evan Ingram, now you have Zay Jones running the outside routes. Like this offense can absolutely be dynamic and what we thought it was going to be heading into the season. So I think that there's, there's a sneaky chance that the Jaguars, like what we saw last week could be an indication of things to come. And if we're seeing that type of Jaguars team, I think the Jaguars just might be the better team here. Um, so I'm, I'm picking them. Over them, I'm not extremely confident. Again, we touched on division games. Anything can happen. This is a very close matchup. CJ Stroud's going off, but if I had a lean, it would definitely be Jaguars here. Mm, yeah, I'm sure. I'm sort of leaning with you. I'm not gonna. I'm gonna probably stay away from the the spread on this game, but I am gonna attack an angle that you talked about, which is this Houston offense leaning into their passing attack against a Jacksonville defense that's been a huge a huge pass funnel. Uh, Jacksonville ranked fourth in rush yards per game allowed, and 28th in pass yards per game allowed. On the other side, you have a Houston offense that is third in yards per attempt passing and just 30th in yards per carry rushing. I'm going with Devin Singletary under his rush yards total. I think this is a great spot for this. Like you talked about, they've been fairly balanced, but in an important division game where you have a chance to kind of get this, you know, a leg up on the division lead with an easier schedule down the stretch, 
I think if that run game isn't working early and Jacksonville is playing to their strengths and shutting that down, I think if you're Houston, you abandon that and you go with your guy, CJ Stroud, see, you know, if he can win you this really important game early in his career. Um, And and so I'm going to go with Singletary under his rushing yard prop against a really, really stout Jacksonville rush defense. Love that. Love that. Also, Jacksonville revenge game. And I don't expect them to take that lightly that they, you know, really got it handed to them in their first matchup early in the year. Um, I expect Jacksonville to come out firing and, and maybe give us some, uh, you know, a negative game script for Singletary here, but um, you know, not really betting on that as both these teams have been fairly even in, in first half point differential. Yeah, no, this uh, is a sneaky fun game. <laughs> like I don't think anybody oh, comes awesome, year awesome to game. one of the best games um, of the oh, yeah. week, but Houston has provided a lot of games now that are like, wait, this is a fun matchup, even though, you know, maybe looking at the schedule before the season, you were probably dismissing a lot of these Houston games. Um, So it's nice to, you know, be a a young team like this, kind of make some strides forward and be competitive this early in a lot of these guys' career. Yeah, and shout out to all the Houston overbetters for cashing their uh, ticket last week. Over five and a half wins, baby. (laughs) Oh, yeah. Big time. We love it. Um, all right, let's let's move on here to our third matchup of the week. Um, as the Baltimore Ravens have seen their path to the one seed in the AFC open up after Kansas City loses to the Eagles on Monday Night Football, I'll give a quick shout out to Pat, who is not here to gloat about the Eagles winning a huge Monday Night Football matchup. So I will do it for him. Um, huge win for the Eagles uh, last night, and uh, you know. Happy for Pat and and his boys. Um, but the Ravens, back on track here, heading to SoFi Stadium for a matchup with the disappointing 4-6 and six Chargers who continue to be further and further away from the AFC contender that we thought they would be heading into the season despite their offense being absolutely electric. Um, their offense for the Chargers first in our offensive efficiency metric 24th in defensive efficiency, Baltimore on the other side, 10th in offensive efficiency, and 5th in defensive efficiency. We'll start with the worst of the four units, and that's the Chargers defense, uh, who have really honestly kept us from appreciating this offense. They rank 29th in EPA per play allowed, 31st in series conversion rate allowed, 30th in yards per play allowed. They're a large reason why this team is 4-6 and six and really looking at a steep uphill climb to make the playoffs. On the other side, you've got this Chargers offense that's really the only reason that Brandon Staley still has a job. We don't like to talk about you know other, other people's jobs here, but let's be honest here, right? This offense is sixth in EPA per play, eighth in series conversion rate, second in red zone touchdown percentage, second in turnovers per game. This offense has been lighting it up and keeping this team's season alive, frankly. Uh, but they face a Baltimore defense that's been – you know, very, very tough this season. They rank second in EPA per play allowed, second in series conversion rate allowed. They rank first in yards per play allowed and third in red zone touchdown percentage allowed. Just top uh, in the league in basically every statistical category for the defense. The Baltimore offense has come and matched that, um, you know, that energy, continuing their success behind one of the best rushing attacks in the league for Baltimore, ninth in EPA per play, fourth in red zone touchdown percentage. First in rush yards per game and third in yards per carry. Obviously, that multi-headed attack in the backfield complementing, you know, Lamar Jackson rushing the ball as well. This is a tough, tough team in Baltimore. And 
you know, we looked after their loss to the Packers in week 11, the Chargers' chances to make the playoffs, you know, in a loaded AFC looking really, really slim. Um, Baltimore is going to really have to be careful not to underestimate this team. They have an electric offense. They can jump on you and put points up quick. Um, so this actually should be a really awesome matchup despite the, the difference in records here on paper. Uh, Baltimore in this one favored by three and a half on the road. So laying that hook to the Chargers over under is 46 and a half. Dalton, what do you like in this one? Yeah, I mean, if I'm just being honest, the Ravens just match up extremely well against the Chargers. Uh, so we know the passing attack for the Chargers is extremely strong, um, but that's also a strength of the Ravens defense. This is the best passing attack that Justin Herbert will be facing all year. Absolutely. Um, Number one in the league in yards per attempt allowed passing is the Baltimore Ravens defense. Yeah, exactly. And they've been extremely dominant. And the last time we saw Justin Herbert go up against an extremely tough pass defense was the Jets. And obviously they won that game. It was a very weird game. Zach Wilson was playing out of yep. his mind in terms of how bad he was. But, you know, Justin Herbert, well, he was averaging 4.5 Out of his mind, used, used in reverse there. I like that. Yeah, it was it was really, really tough on Herbert here. So when the Chargers don't really have other avenues or any other massive strength, it's not like they're running the ball extremely well. In fact, they're one of the worst in explosive rush rates. Um, their defense, you can't really rely on them. Like the strengths of this team doesn't match up well. I mean, the Baltimore offense is uh, the best in rushy paper play. The Chargers rush defense is roughly average. Teams are able to rush. Teams want to rush against them. They're one of the top 10 run funnels in the league. Um, and even though Baltimore is missing Mark Andrews, the fact that the Chargers defense is like the worst in explosive pass percentage, like that works really well with guys like Rashad Bateman. Dalton, the Chargers power. defense is ranked dead last in the NFL in pass yards per game allowed, in yards per attempt passing allowed, and in passes of 10 or more yards allowed. Yeah, on the season. Like, dead last. There is nobody worse than this Chargers team on defense than you know defending the pass. Exactly. So, so if you're the Chargers, how are you stopping the Ravens offense? Well, you're probably not. You probably need some turnovers or some, some things to go your way. And But then if you ask Baltimore, how are you stopping the Chargers' offense? Well, that's strength against strength right there. And Baltimore shut down some pretty decent quarterbacks so far this year. They're first in explosive pass percentage. Um, and we know Herbert, like Keenan Allen's just been a massive target. And there's really nobody else outside there. I mean, you can argue uh, Eckler is a guy that, that can obviously get some work in the receiving game. But no Mike Williams. Gerald Everett remains yeah. to be seen whether he's, he's going to be that guy. The Reno Quentin Johnson has been an absolute dud despite – um opportunities and we've also seen in games this year i mean i don't know if it's just a theme for the chargers in general of brandon Staley being there but if you look at the games they've won versus the games they've lost i mean if you look at every single game they've won they've won four games and they've all been teams that you'd be like okay they definitely should win those games but when they've gone against the likes yeah. of detroit and kansas city and dallas and miami i mean yeah they were close against detroit yeah they're close against miami yeah they're close against dallas like all, they lost all these games but they're not points. winning but they did not win. Um, so, I mean, you can beg the question and say, okay, well, like they played all these games close. So yeah, in theory, like you can make an argument and okay, maybe this is a team that should be, you know, maybe, um, you know, maybe six and four or maybe a little bit better than that. But again, uh, overtime loss in the Titans, 
you know, a few things definitely haven't gone their way. Oh, 100 percent. So that's the thing is things haven't gone their way, but they haven't been able to close in those scenarios. So you can say like, yeah, this is a team that, you know, maybe should probably keep it close against the Ravens. But, you know, is there a lot of scenarios where the Chargers win this game? I don't know, maybe like maybe just Keenan Allen and everyone, they actually like overcome that. Or maybe Austin Eckler is a bigger game or maybe their defense has a couple turnovers or maybe the Ravens offense without Mark Andrews really starts to show some of his weaknesses. So there are definitely a lot of scenarios to that, but it just feels like on paper, the Ravens are just a more dominant team. Lamar Jackson is playing extremely well. There's a dual threat to him as a runner, as a passer. Keaton Mitchell is also somebody who's getting more work, has looked explosive as well. So there's another element that you can maybe add while Mark Andrews is gone that I think um, that maybe the Chargers on defense, they just can't can't overcome. Yeah, look, Baltimore, one of the most well-rounded teams in the league, one of the few teams in our offensive and defensive efficiency metrics that are top 10 in both, you know, uh, teams like the Eagles defense has not been up to par. The Bills defense since the injuries has not been up to par. The Bengals have been weird on offense this year. Um, So not a lot of teams in in both, you know, top 10 in both, and the Ravens are one of them. Um, But look, for me, I'm a little bit scared of this Chargers offense, despite everything we just talked about with the Ravens defense. The Chargers tend to play these weird games, and so I'm going to stay away from the spread on this one as well, but I am going back to the well, and that well is that this Chargers team cannot stop the pass. I'm going. To, I'm looking at Zay Flowers, and I'm looking at his over-receiving prop. I'm going to bet his alts. Like, I think this is a Zay Flowers breakout performance in this one. The Chargers, the worst pass defense by a mile in the league, as we talked about, dead last in pass yards per game, yards per attempt, and explosive pass plays allowed on the season. Zay Flowers already Lamar's favorite target this year, uh, taking the biggest share of targets for the Ravens so far at 23.9%. That's slightly above Mark Andrews at 20.3%. Andrews now out of that equation. Uh, I expect Flowers to get plenty of touches. um, And, you know, Baltimore does run the ball at the highest rate in the league. I just don't know if Flowers needs too many touches to get over this number, whatever it's going to be, um, because I expect some explosives. I expect some good yards after the catch here for Flowers. Um, so receiving yards, receptions, whichever kind of angle you want to attack that with with Zay, I'm going over against this Chargers pass defense that's been abysmal. I love it. And now yeah. no Joey Bosa, most likely, um, to rush the passer. And that's just – you know, only going to hurt them more. 100%. 100%. Chargers defense ranks fourth in sacks per game. Now you take that out of the equation too. I mean. Baltimore's been really good at protecting um, Lamar. They're number one in pressure allowed in terms of offense, which is great. They've been able to keep Lamar um, upright for the most part. Yep. Which is. Second in quarterback hits allowed per game. 100%. 18th in sacks, but that's a little bit different just because Lamar gets sacked a lot of the time outside the pocket, so those numbers won't be reflected in the offensive line stats. 100%. All right, let's move on to our last game that we will cover here on the preview. It is my personal favorite game of the week. It is another test. For the nine and one Philadelphia Eagles as they welcome the Buffalo Bills to town. Both teams coming off of big wins. The Eagles over the Super Bowl defending Kansas City Chiefs on Monday Night Football, as we discussed, 
and the Bills with a dominant 32-6 victory over division rival New York Jets. Philly enters this one as a three-and-a-half point favorite at home, over under 48-and-a-half. The Eagles ranked third in offensive efficiency, but 27th in defensive efficiency. On the other side, Buffalo ninth in offensive efficiency and 15th in defensive efficiency. This Eagles offense has been as steady as a unit as you can find in football. Fifth in EPA per play, fifth in series conversion rate, ninth in red zone touchdown percentage. Uh, On the other side, the defense continues to just be a huge pass funnel. They rank first in rush yards per game allowed, allowing the fewest rushing yards per game at 76.8, but they are 29th in pass yards per game allowed on the other, on the back end of that. Uh, they also rank eighth in EPA per play allowed and 25th in red zone touchdown percentage allowed. They face a Buffalo offense that is right there with Philly in terms of efficiency, but they really struggle with turnovers as we discussed with Allen a little bit earlier in the show. This Buffalo offense ranks third in EPA per play, third in series conversion rate, third in red zone touchdown percentage, but just 30th in turnovers per game, turning it over at a whopping 1.73 times per game, um, which has just really hurt them at at critical moments this season. The Buffalo defense has really struggled due to injuries. They were number one entering week five when they went to London to take on the Jags. They now sit at 15th. That's a big drop-off over six weeks. But they are still a decent unit overall by the numbers. They rank 10th in series conversion rate allowed, 10th in red zone touchdown percentage allowed. They are third in turnovers forced per game. They really struggle against the run uh, with the the loss of Matt Milano early in the year. They are 27th in yards per carry allowed. The Eagles are going to be a really tough matchup. Uh, They look to continue their run at the number one seed in the NFC for a second straight year. The Bills trying to scratch and claw, keep their season alive, and stay in that AFC playoff hunt just a half game back of Pittsburgh for the seventh spot. And as we talked about, Pittsburgh has got some problems. Um, all right, Bills-Eagles, Dalton, where, where are you going in this one? Um, dude, I think the I think the Bills could sneak this one out. Um, I weirdly think they match Pat, up. Pat's going to hate to hear that. Good thing Pat's not here. <laughs> I think they I think they sneakily match up kind of well against the Eagles. Um Obviously, the Eagles are, are dominant in a lot of phases of the game. But what the Bills – I mean, I feel like we haven't – because of all the turnovers that the Bills have had, and we know that that tends to uh, – in, in a sense, it's fluky because, like, it can really change the outcome of a game based on one or two plays. And we know Josh Allen tends to be one of the more turnover-prone quarterbacks in the league, so you obviously have to yep. take that into account. But – Again, like if you are giving them like the benefit of the doubt, okay, like maybe like you know one of the interceptions that you know went off Gabe Davis' hands, or just some things that aren't necessarily Josh yep. Allen's fault. Like, like they they've been really good, and what they're really good at is something that feels really good. good. And we, we, funny because heading into last week, um, it was probably one of the most confused I've been in terms of what I thought a matchup was going to be and what actually happened like the the eagles were the biggest pass funnel in the league teams did not want to run the ball whatsoever did they not want to do it because their secondary has been terrible but the run d has been so good and then you had the chiefs who they, were I know, jalen carter speaking of rookies just doing their job right away dominant. carter's been dominant. awesome up he's, there he's, been in the he's been an awesome story and He's leading in the defensive player of the year conversation right now for for good reason. Almost caught that fun interception off the 
um, off that spike, which would have been insane. But (laughs) the the thing is, like, their their run D has been so good, and their pass D has been so bad. So when you thought the Chiefs were just going to be this, their offense is, we are just so pass-heavy naturally. So it would have made so much sense for them to just throw the ball to them, but they decided to run the ball, and they had success running the ball. But when you look at Buffalo's offense, it is very similar in the sense of we are so good at throwing the ball. We throw the ball a ton, and we're really good at it. And I don't know how Philly's going to be able to stop it. I think Stefan Diggs could have an absolute massive game. He kind of went off the rails um, recently, and there could be some opportunities for him here. Um, Their rush D has also not been terrible. I wonder what Leonard Fournette – we'd assume Leonard Fournette's probably coming in and, and how that could um you know change some of the things with james cook who's been really good i do think buffalo defensively like you mentioned there's been some injuries there where we maybe haven't gotten the full picture but last week we saw i wouldn't say like this offense the the eagles offense get exposed but they they somehow won the game right but it just wasn't the eagles offense like they were able to effectively shut down aj brown i think with dallas goddard out it actually changes a couple things because you can hone in on either Devontae Smith or A.J. Brown, their, their offense is going to be so good naturally just in a bunch of different ways where you can't fully stop them. But if you can take some big components away, we saw A.J. Brown absolutely dominate. Yep. One of the best stretches. They're just so well-rounded, it's hard to really shut them down. Yeah, but I mean, all it takes is we've seen Buffalo be this kind of Jekyll and Hyde team over the past couple of years. And if they turn it on, like when they're hot, they can be the best team in the league. And I think we're yep. maybe underrating the fact just because of recency bias, what we've seen from them this year. If Josh Allen can go into this game and not turn the ball over and not get sacked, which is something he's actually done really well this year. Sacks percentage has been the lowest it's been in the entire career. First, first in sacks allowed per game for the Buffalo offense. Which is crazy. And that's something that, you know, Philly's done really good at is getting to the quarterback. So if Josh able Josh Allen's able to escape pressure and able to just keep the ball from either hitting the ground or going into the opponent's hands while you're on offense. I think I think Buffalo sneakily matches up kind of well against uh, the Eagles in this one. Yeah, I agree. Um, this Eagles team just finds ways to win. Yeah, they're scrappy. Jalen Hurts talked about it in his post game interview. Is like. They haven't played their best ball, and they're just winning games. Um, and I think that Chiefs game was a was a great, um, you know, kind of showing for that. But I I do think that this is a really really tough matchup for them. I, I I see the Bills' offense as the reverse of the Lions' offense. We talked about how the Lions use the run to open up the pass. The Bills do the opposite. They use the pass to open up the run, uh, whether that be scrambles or design runs for Allen or handing it back to James Cook except when they're in the red zone, which sucks for me as someone who bet over on his rushing touchdown prop this, this year. But, you know, we'll, we'll leave that aside. You touched on Stephon Diggs. I, that's exactly the angle I'm, I'm attacking in this game. Diggs overs on receiving yards and receptions. This is another one that we've gone back to over and over again this year and had a lot of success, which is betting against this Eagles secondary. Uh, and, you know, that kind of paired with the fact that their rushing defense is just outrageously good. First in rush yards per game, 10th in yards per carry, second in rushes of 10 or more yards allowed for the Eagles defense. Um, and now you start to talk about game script and how you're going to, you know, attack this team if you're the Bills. And that's through Josh Allen. That's through the air. Who's his favorite target? Who's the best guy on this team? That's Stephon Diggs. Diggs 
has been Allen's go-to guy. And this is a huge game in a huge part of the season for the Bills. And I don't think that they're going to go away from their guy right now. Diggs controls 30.4% of the target share. That's almost double the next guy who is Dalton Kincaid at 15.8%. Um, I, I'm looking for Diggs to have a big game in this one with, you know, I, I, it's hard to say season on the line, but it's starting to feel that way um, for the Bills here uh, as, as we kind of get into the, you know, definitely second, you know, a couple weeks into the second half and kind of this last third of the season. Um, a lot of these games, these tough matchups, they're going to have a tough schedule down the stretch playing a first place schedule, but this, this feels like a big spot and I expect them to go to digs and, and trust their, their, their horses in, in this one. Yeah. hundred percent. I mean, when just looking at Eagles defense too, they've been so prone um, against number one receivers. They've been one of the worst two number one receivers um, week in and week out. Just looking at, in terms of targets per game, uh, teams are throwing at their number one receiver by far the most against the Eagles, 12.9 yep. per game. They're giving up the third most yards per game to wide receiver ones in the league. So uh, it, it, if Stefan Diggs doesn't have uh, a big game here, um, this feels just like a spot where he's just going to ball. And if you look at some of the similar type of teams that have been really pass funnel that the the Bills have played, they've kind of leaned into it a little bit. If you look at um, Tampa Bay, it tends to be one of the more pass funnel teams. Josh Allen, 324 yep. yards passing. Uh, Jacksonville, um, massive pass funnel, 359 yards passing. So those two best games of the year have come against some pretty um, pass funnel-y type defenses, very similar to the Eagles. So maybe some alts on Josh Allen, some digs. Yeah. Um, it seems like if you are going to beat the Eagles, that's going to be the way how. And there's a formula for it because we've seen teams do it against the Eagles and we've seen the Bills kind of lean into that, which I think is a strength too. Again, I think there's a lot of, there there could be some uncertainty just with like new offensive coordinator. How is that going to look in this specific matchup? So there is definitely some hesitancy there. Like, but again, at the end of the day, I, I'm just going to trust on what we've seen as a whole from teams against the Eagles here, throwing out last week as a complete fluke with what the Chiefs are able to do against the Eagles. And the recipe for the formula is to throw a ton and beat them that way. Absolutely. Should be a really, really awesome week of football here. Thanksgiving week, we get three games Thursday. We get a game Friday. Uh, Dolphins Jets, I believe, on Black Friday. Uh, we get the Sunday slate and Monday night as usual. So it's going to be an awesome week. Dalton, thank you for joining us. Check out Stealing Lines. Uh, join their Discord and subscribe to their newsletter. Um, and check on uh, – head on over to sporting-intelligence.com as well where you can get your hands on these matchup analysis tools that we have been using all season long here on the podcast to break down – these matchups and find the best angles to bet these games. I hope everybody has a very happy Thanksgiving and we will see you next time. Only bony